Hi, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the David Holman podcast. And uh, once again, my name is David Holman, and I have a bachelor's degree in French from Indiana University. And the goal of this podcast is to discuss mental health and how it relates to um, each and every one of us as individuals across the globe. So I have a guest in the studio and uh, his name is Chris. He's actually a friend of mine. And so what I tend to do with these podcasts is I just try to have people on it. Um, sometimes it'll just be me speaking, but uh, the purpose of this podcast is for the listeners. And so to you out there listening, um, it's just really for you. So try to glean all you can from our conversations and think about maybe ways that you see yourself in our conversations. But really, it's it's for you wherever you are. You know, I don't know if you're in your room, if you're walking your dog, if you're in Africa, Asia, Europe, Russia, across the globe, wherever you are, our goal is to reach into you and your situation and sort of draw you out. Um, so when I say mental health, the World Health Organization defines mental health as a state of well-being in which an individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. So um, with that being said, uh, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Um, my name is Christopher Ijiri. Um I'm a CEO of a rap group called Adimab, um, which is located here in Indiana. I have about six members under my group. Um, David Holman is like one of my friends, and he invited me to his podcast, so I'll be happy to, you know, give my piece and share um, mental health awareness. But yeah, that's a short intro, boy, yeah. So if you guys uh, didn't hear him, he said he's the CEO of uh, a rap group called Addy Mob. So, and then also you guys will notice that to all my listeners, I, I tend to have a lot of guests on that are um, for the most part from West Africa. So I'm Nigerian American. Uh, I lived in the U.S. since 2000 and when did I move back? 2004. Um, what about you, Chris? Can you tell our listeners where you're from? Um, I was born in Ghana, but my parents are Nigerian. So you can say I'm almost American and just nationalized like four years ago. So he, I, he's, I guess you can say I'm a Ghanaian American, but with a Nigerian background, you know. But yeah, um, I've been living in the US for the past maybe 12 years now. And yeah. Congratulations, man. So you said you naturalized a few, four years ago? Mm-hmm. I came wow. as an asylum. As an asylum. This is a... You were on asylum? Yeah. You didn't tell me that. Mm-hmm. You, I didn't know you were on asylum. Yeah, but it's like a weird case, though. Very weird. Because I was in living with my mom. Okay. And my dad came and she realized I was in living there. He, he realized I was in living there. So the only way to get me to come was to file like an asylum. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting because since I'm Nigerian American, Mm -hmm. I haven't really had to deal with like any immigration stuff. But my mom always used to, my mom, she came to America for the first time when she was in university. Mm -hmm. And so she used to tell me stories about what it was like, you know, not having her 
green card and papers and things like that. So, you know, I guess you can say she maybe made the investment in my life so that I wouldn't have to deal with that. And so I can definitely understand it, but, you know, I probably can't, don't have experience firsthand. Oh, no, like, you know. asylum is different. You kind of give you everything. It's yeah. Just, it's, yeah, just being monitored by, like, your guy and your, like, guy and shit, shit like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, like, I never had to experience all of them stuff like I worked freely and stuff like that you know it was just like trying to do like big big stuff was harder yeah like if you're trying to get like student loans and stuff like that it's just way harder for myself I'm student yeah so that's the like challenging part about it but if you come in as a asylum and you have money fuck student loan right <laughs> <laughs> I know right because most international students usually don't need student loans they're yeah. paying like three times our school fees if I recall I had a friend um, in college I think he was paying like $20,000 a semester meanwhile my in-state tuition was only like 3k like 3,500 you know yeah. so um, so you have your name is Igbo though right so yeah. you have a Nigerian Igbo name mm-hmm. but you identify more as a Ghanaian actually I don't know because Ghanaians are really like me sorry mm-hmm. to say but <laughs> the they always used to talk on me because how you're a Ghanaian but you have a Nigerian middle name. Yeah. So it felt like some type of scam to them. So how are you Ghanaian but you have a Nigerian name? If you just imagine, you see how your friends brown you here? Uh-huh. Right? Your parents get better you here. So just imagine like you had a kid right now. Okay. Right? Your wife, you two of your wife have, you are Nigerians. Or let's say you were born in Nigeria, you guys have a Nigerian background. When mm-hmm. you go to another country and give birth to somebody like your kid there. Mm-hmm. Right? But after like, seven years you like fuck that country and moved to another country mm-hmm. i'm still gonna have the citizenship of that country yeah uh, i still have nigerian parents okay you see what i'm saying okay okay that's what happened because i was a little confused i was thinking to myself i was like okay do you actually have are you just do you have Ghanaian blood mm-hmm. but you just kind of i was just born there okay like i have on. a Ghanaian certificate, best certificate. <laughs> yeah you know what's funny go ahead West Africa, like, if not for all these human divisions and things that we create, there's all the same people, bro. Yeah, same blood. Right. But, so your parents are Nigerian. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. My mom is full blonde Igbo. Blonde, full blonde Igbo woman. Yeah. My dad is half, half Igbo, half American. His grand, like, his grandfather's side, he has, like, family that lives here. That's, every, that's why he was able to come here. <laughs> that's like, hilarious yeah. are you serious yeah so that's crazy that means both of us have some like uh what african-american blood mm-hmm. in us because my dad is african-american but anyways so that's just some good history you know any listeners out there if, if you can relate so let's go ahead and jump right in so as i mentioned before uh, the world health organization so for those who aren't familiar with it, I'll just give like a brief overview. I, I consider them as like the foremost worldwide global authority on health issues. Um, you know, there's actually something going on right now. I guess Donald Trump, who is the current president of the United States of America, and this is July 2020. So I'm not sure when you're listening to this podcast. If you're in the future, at this point of time, our current president is Donald Trump. And he is trying to get us out of the World Health Organization. And so mm-hmm. um, just FYI, as I as I quote them, which is, in my opinion, it's just it's a little strange, but I still consider them as, uh, you know, a leader when it comes to 
health issues globally, but they've defined mental health as a state of well-being in which an individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, uh, can work productively, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. So Chris, man, uh, do you feel like you're realizing your own abilities? Mm. You know, for me, it's like more, it's more like realizing my strengths and stuff like that, you know. But sometimes I feel like I have the ability to do something. Then, you know, we are all humans, we have mood swings. Yeah. And I feel like I can't do it anymore. So I really, I mostly focus on my strengths. Yeah. Before I try to think about like my ability to do stuff. Right. Yeah. That's how I look at stuff, really. Yeah. And just from the brief couple of years or few years that I've known you, I know you kind of, you're good at like tech stuff, you know, um, computer and all that. Um, when did you realize those abilities? Like, when did you realize you had that? See, I, I feel like that one was more like God-given though. Yeah. To be honest. Like, um, my dad bought me a computer when I was 13 years old and ever since it's just, so I've just been using computers. Because uh, if I don't know whether you guys can remember back in the MP3 days and uh, <laughs> you know stuff like that. Yeah, everybody was like, "Why are you on a computer? It's dumb. You're wasting your time." You, you yeah. Know, fast forward seven years now, man. Come on. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I just, I guess it was just a passion I had. Yeah. I just never let it go. But I actually never thought it was going to get to something like this. I know, right? You know what I mean, how old are you? 24. I just turned 25. Say July. So let's just say, so when you were 10 years old, what was the year back then? What was when you were 10? Mm, 2005. So you think even in 05, people still used to look down on techie, techie, techie stuff? Mm -hmm. Even 05? Yeah. Interesting. You might be right. I don't know. Tech kind of exploded in 2010, 2012. That's where you saw the mass media was now saying tech is hot, tech is hot, tech is hot. They started pushing that shit, stamp, blah, blah, yeah. blah, yeah. But I'm telling you, like, 2000 and... Because when I started using computers, like, hmm, like 2006, 2007, bro, nobody, <laughs> nobody really cared, bro. Yeah, yeah. Were you in Ghana? Yeah. Okay. Nobody really cared about computers, bro. Cause it's like, bro, you either gonna do art, econ, sciences, some shit like that. Like, yeah. Why are you trying to chase a white man dream? Sorry mm-hmm. to say, but that's what they always used to say. But for me, it was just like the ability to do stuff, and it just makes sense to me. Just think, this is what computers are. They're like, um, they're like a digital librarian mm-hmm. with advanced skills. You know what I mean? So you can do whatever you want to do on the on the computer. But that's that's you know, I never left that dream go you know else it's because like i guess it's something that was inborn if you have a full and passion for it yeah like no matter how far you wander off you still realize you're doing that stuff in a month like if you package your your whole month and realize that you're doing some type of it work i'm doing some type of it work or some type of computer work like six times in a month it's just certain stuff that you know that's what i'm supposed to be at what do you call it a digital advanced dream yeah how like explain Alright, so when I say digital advantages, it's like if you think about if you think about like for me when I go to bed, I think about shit. Like yeah. I dream, I think about like computer and stuff like that. So it's just weird because like um, if I want to do something, like say I want to get to do something, I can have the idea right now, 
But when I go to bed, like I have to like see it visualize, and I wake up the next morning, I'm like, yo, I know what I'm doing and stuff like that. So yeah. It's weird, but that's how my brain works. You get as busy, you listen to me now. Like what you say? Yeah, I say get as busy. He lives with me now. Oh, like, busy. Yeah, okay, I wake okay. up in the morning. I'm just like on my computer, like doing shit. Yeah. Like dang, this guy's always on his computer. And that's how that, those words are so familiar to me. Yeah. Because he's always on his computer. Like, he's always on his computer. Yeah. Computer. FYI, ladies and gentlemen, Bizzle is a friend of ours. Yeah. So, um, so from my understanding of computing, mm-hmm. what I when I was in grade three. I was in grade three here in the school in the United States, and there was actually in grade two there were, there was a computer in the classroom, mm. and there would be there would be assigned computer time where we'd go to the computer and do whatever it was that they were teaching us. Mm. It was an Apple computer, I remember, ugly computer, Big. very ugly. It didn't even it, it didn't look anything like those yeah. new stuff. In not even the newer versions from back yeah. in the day, this was like old. Like it yeah. looked like a regular, like a TV. you know. Yeah, um, off white. It was <laughs> Apple. So they would teach us all those little small, small things, mm-hmm. the little things, and then um, so that was that. And so just growing up, I've always been taught about the ne- the necessity of a computer, mm-hmm. and I've always been fascinated with computers because to me it was a privilege. So I never looked down on it. In my mind, if anybody had access to a computer, that person had money mm-hmm. or was privileged or was exposed because in growing up in West Africa and Nigeria, we valued those kind of things because there was just so much lack around us, a lot mm-hmm. of poverty. There's a lot of poverty and there's a lot of rich um, a lot of wealth, but the nature of a developing country is that no matter how wealthy you are, you still see the limits placed around you. And so, yeah. I never looked down on computer stuff. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see how people looked down on that. Maybe in America, where they had ex- access to a whole bunch of stuff, but in Africa, at least for me, when I saw computing, it was always an opportunity, and I was just I actually was, I was very envious of people that had access. Fast forward to today. I, I tried to under, I tried to find out the history of a computer and what its original purpose was for, and I guess it was for calculating. Yeah, calculate. Well, calculators are computers. Okay. You know, if if you say computing in general, mm-hmm. it's just a basic function of ones and zeros. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like this is a computer right here. You mm-hmm. know, it's taking a digital, taking an analog voice and making it digital. You feel me? So yeah. If you think if you're saying computer, it's 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 a huge it's a huge technology. Yeah. But if you say like computers, then when you, when you talk about computers, you're talking about normal like CPU architectures and keyboards and stuff like that. Yeah, if you're talking about those type of specific computing, mm-hmm. even though you still use, the, you still use the, um, the, the, the laws of physics as in, you know, computing like ones and zeros, heat conducting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like computers, are, computers in general are actually built for calculating. Okay. Like the, the, the reason why, the reason why everything is so cut like the way you see this glass so cut perfectly is because of a computer you believe it or not okay i, I believe you. yeah yeah because of the precision okay the reason why computers was the reason why computers rapidly you know improve our life is because how precise and how um it can crunch numbers bigger numbers that we our human beings have brains have to like literally like right <laughs> no i'm serious back i, in the, I believe you back in the days they had it they had like every big fortune 500 company had a computing department which yeah. is full of human co- calculators 
Wow. I'm Melvin Blaine. So wait, so you're saying that, I mean, I'm not going to quote you on this, but back in the day, there was a department of human beings whose job it was to do calculations. Yep. Okay. So okay. now computers took away all that kind of stuff. But if you think about it now, computer is so good at doing most of the stuff that it's, it's, it's like killing all that industry. Yeah. Think about it. Back in the days, your mailman. If you, if you think about, I don't know whether we have older listeners that worked in corporate America back in the days, but right. I know you guys had a mailman that would just drive around your cubicles and drop mail. Now you don't even do that. Yeah. This is email. Yeah. You yeah. see what I'm saying? And it's all around, it all runs on the server and stuff like that. So this is how computers like changing our lives and everything. Like back in the days, if you also know, if you work in corporate America, you had this switch phone where you just press and answer your phone call and stuff like that. Okay. And now, if say somebody's calling you from the outside, you have to buzz you in and call you and stuff like that. But now you just have to get a person's extension number, bypass all that bullshit and call them directly. You see yeah. what I'm saying? All is done through computing. It's just, the, it's how it computates the stuff. Computer just facilitates every, every aspect of our life. Like this stuff is made by computers. You feel me? Yeah. The design, all that kind of stuff is built on the computer. The precision of the machine to, to peel, to bring out the plastic, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's what computer does. Yeah. You know I mean? The only reason why everybody's so crazy about it is like, if the government had the power to do all that kind of stuff by itself, just imagine what if individuals with technical knowledge can do for themselves sure. using a computer. Yeah. That shit is endless. Yeah. And that's, that's the only scary part about it. That's the reason why um, everybody's so scared about all oh, this, this hackers, there's people scammers. It's, it's because they know how to use the computer efficiently. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I completely understand. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I guess where I keep getting lost is, and believe me, I've spent quite a significant amount of time trying to find out where that line was crossed from an individual counting sticks mm -hmm. to computer. Like how, how does that, I'm, I don't understand how like, uh, you know, um, I granted there were there were different methods of calculating before yeah. the computer. Like at what point did the did the machine like how, like at what point did the computer facilitate counting or like how does that happen? Is there like a I don't get it. Alright, so the first computer was like so long ago. Not mm -hmm. like the first actual physical, like not like with processors and stuff, like yeah. it was just normal arithmetic normal. Because back in the days you had philosophers and um, uh, you had like astrologists and stuff like that. You had like physicians and mechanic, mechanical engineers sure. who build like time. So I can say computers derived from time. Were mm -hmm. so they more mechanical in action more then? Mechanical or? In action, okay. yeah. Okay. So people are trying to derive like precision of time mm -hmm. stuff like that. So they build like arithmetic instrument that actually like can tell time, can give accurate measurements and stuff like that. But as like stuff start moving forward and stuff like that, we're able to inc incorporate some other stuff. And the thing about the thing about computing is that when one one person finds about it and it's spread it, they can also use some other applications to make it you know, gotcha. more. Because if you think about it, back back in the days, laptops used to be very 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 thick. Yeah, but well, you've gone too far now. Let's go back to the basics of the counting machines. Uh -huh. I've heard of a thing called like an abacus from back abacus, in the day, yes. right? Yes, that was more of a well, more of a mechanical tabby. Yeah. So maybe the question I'm asking is, how did it switch from, would that, would that also be considered analog or no? That's analog. To digital, I guess. You remember the telegram? 
I, I don't remember it. But I, really, <laughs> I heard about it. Yeah, that's like the that's the Telegram. Wasn't that Morse code or something? Or I mean, Morse code is the Morse code is the language used. Okay, the devices. Okay, so we'll have to definitely have you back maybe for an educational podcast. I hate to, I went off on a tangent there. Um, let me answer the question as far as so mental health being a state of well being in which an individual realizes his or her own abilities. So when I see when I when I hear that statement, the term realize, uh, I, I question the term realize. Does it mean to actually come to an awareness of my abilities, mm-hmm. or to come to an awareness of my abilities and then subsequently have the means to make that awareness a reality, to make those abilities a reality? Um, Are you? Do you feel like you're realizing your abilities? You know, we we talked yeah. about like the computer. You are mm-hmm. okay. That's good. That's yeah. Good. Um. It's it's like it's also funny because like, um, like I was talking about my strengths and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I never used to produce music mm-hmm. for me, but actually when I actually understand my strengths, I built them to become an ability. So yeah. now I can now officially see I'm a music producer. Amazing. Without having to be like, yo, you know. Yeah. But it took years to realize that. Yeah. I think for me right now, I'm realizing that my abilities are just, I have the ability to execute now. I'm, I have the ability to, to, um, to get things done, so to speak. Uh, because I, growing up in Africa, I, I mean, I feel like my mother tried her best to give me the tools necessary to achieve my full potential. Mm-hmm. But just the environment wasn't conducive enough for me to actually have the time or the emotional safety to realize what it was that I was actually good at and to be able to hone in on that. So now that I'm 35 years old and I've actually started taking medicine to help me, as far, to help me, I actually feel guilty now. It's like, am I cheating at life because I'm actually able to do well and to plan and to sit still and to think and to organize and so when i read this definition i actually felt a lot of ease i felt better i was like okay there's nothing wrong with being able to realize Mm -hmm. to be in a state of well-being in which i'm an individual is able to realize his or her own abilities and so um that's that's just kind of where i'm at today so that's that's good uh, so the next question is, um, do you feel like you're able to cope with the normal stresses of everyday life? Hmm. I try to, honestly. You know, that's the best I can. Um, I also like to take, like, 15-minute break, like, breathers. Yeah. You know, like, sometimes, like, when shit is, like, the stress of life hits, and I'm, like, all, like, in it, riding the wave and shit like that. After a long day, bro, I'll just be like, I gotta take a, I gotta take a quick nap. You know, you know those power naps that you wake up and you feel yeah. so refreshed and you don't realize what happened. Yeah. And everything has to slowly come back to you. <laughs> this is, those are the ones I take, man. Yeah, I actually, I did I did um, some research and I was trying to figure out how long exactly I should sleep for, for those power naps. They say 20, 25 minutes. 25, I can't do that. Well, Why would I sleep for 20 minutes, bro? That is, that's, that's torture. Okay. <laughs> let, let me tell you something. It's like, have you ever like, have you ever jump started a car? Yeah. That's like jump starting your brain. But it's like, it's like a quick flush, you know? Like yeah. I just said it, cause like I set the time on 25 minutes and when it rings, I force myself to get up. Yeah. Cause that's a, that's a painful part is getting up. Once you get up, yeah. like 
and minutes after getting up your body like hits that reset and bro, yeah it feels amazing to be honest no you're right though because no matter what you're doing when you take a break it's it does recharge now for me what i tend to do is i'll close my eyes mm-hmm. for an extended amount of time because i don't know what the exact relationship is between eyes being closed mm-hmm. and actual rest but i think it plays a part you know yeah. um and so for me sometimes i'll use that i'll use that time to like meditate no matter where i am if i just need to i'll close my eyes and i'll meditate because like i said when i close my eyes something happens yeah because yeah. your eyes are the only like visual body of brain so when you see stuff it's processing it so once it's closed it's not processing it it's just trying to calm down and process whatever you processed before yeah so like closing your eyes is actually very key also like you know and that's like for that's the reason why it's some shit happening people just want to go to that room and sleep yeah because when you close your eyes you process less that is true speaking of processing no pun intended right Computer. processing <laughs> <laughs> processing pun so uh, for me, am I able to cope with the normal stresses of life? So the question then becomes like, what is normal? What is considered a normal stress of life? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, as you know, I'm I'm currently in recovery from substance abuse disorder, and by God's grace, uh, at least today, I have almost going on two years sobriety. I haven't touched a drug or drink. I feel like now I'm at a point where it's like I'm having to understand what's considered normal stress mm-hmm. and what's considered like abnormal, abnormal stress. stress. So I'm still I'm still working on that. But I'm getting to a point I feel like I used to drink and use drugs so much that I wasn't I didn't know what was considered normal stress or what was considered abnormal stress. Any small thing, the slightest thing, I would I would just jump straight to the bottle or straight to the booze or whatever it was. And so now um, with the help of like fellow friends that are in recovery and my groups and things like that, I'll bring up a particular problem I'm having, and then they'll be like, "Guy, it's normal stress." Yeah, it's just normal. And then when I hear that, I'm like, "Okay," and I'm not, I can easily breathe easy and things like that. So I think I'm able to. I think I think I am right now. You know, it's just for me. Like I said, it's trying to figure out like, okay, is this normal? Or is yeah, this abnormal? Am I the only one going through this? <laughs> At the end of the day, no one is really, you're not the only one yeah, going through this. Right, you know, but I'm guessing, you know, if somebody's banging on my door threatening to kill me, that's not like supposed to be normal. So that's that's the answer to that question. Okay, so the next question is like, can you work productively? Do you feel like you're able to work productively? Under normal stress, yes. Like you, there's a lot of people that max it and just go out there, go about their day. But you know, like, you can tell when somebody has an abnormal stress at work because you know they are frantic and something happened. They don't really want to tell you what happened because it makes them more stressful. You yeah. Know I mean? But you've always you've seen that type of scenario where, like, one of your coworkers just hates to go somewhere, but you know something happened. Yeah. You know, that's like an uh, a example of an abnormal stress yeah. in the workplace. But don't get me wrong, not everybody in the workplace is happy. Yeah. They're all going through some type of stress somehow, whether it's financial, emotionally. But we're all there trying to put our best. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. When it comes way too abnormal, it's that disrupting work. You're like, you I gotta go. Yeah. So like, yeah. But if, you know, but some people respond to like normal stress abnormally. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I think that would be. I'm not a psychologist, but I know personally, I'm diagnosed with uh, generalized anxiety disorder (GAD). Mm-hmm. 
And I take medicine for that. I take it every day. I take a Lexapro. And I'm, is it helping? I don't know because I still stress. I really don't know. I really don't know if that stuff is working. You know, me growing up, like, mm-hmm. there's some age where you start realizing some shit. Like, there's some professions where, or there's some things where, like, even though you go, you go and get help for it, it yeah. and the help doesn't actually manifest instantly. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, there was one time my doctor said I had ACAD. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's welcome to America. Yeah. That, that, that was when you got to America? Yeah. The doctor said you had ADHD. Mm-hmm. What grade were you in? Like 10th grade. 10th grade? Mm-hmm. And then how did, how did you find that the doctor told the parent, your mom? or mm-hmm. yeah, he, told, he told my dad. Really? Yeah. And then did they call you into the office or something? Or did they tell it to you separately? I'm curious. No, they told, they told my dad about it. Uh-huh. But, but he already told me. He was like, I'm going to tell your dad about it. I also got like a lesson and everything. He was trying to refer me to a psychologist and all that kind of shit. Wow. Guy. I don't start. I don't actually have HGHT, bro. What he said, I do. I took a medicine for like a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know. I went back the next time, the guy was trying to say I have some type of under HCG version. I'm like, bro. <laughs> I'm like, bro. You say if you and you know, I just made up my mind, like, you know, I'm just gonna live with this. Yeah. Like, whether I have it or not. Yeah. So, so I just never refill my prescription. And so, I've been fine ever since. So you have? Mm-hmm. So tenth grade, your teacher, mm-hmm. does he he calls your father? and says, hey, Christopher, I want to talk to you about something. He might have ADHD. And then your dad goes home and says, Christopher, come here. I don't know, I'm just joking. He comes home and he says, Christopher, let's talk. Or how, does that, how did that scenario play um, out? So I actually got injured in school while I was playing. Um, it was like in gym class in 10th grade. So I went, I went to the school nurse. Then she actually gave me some drugs and stuff like that. She's like, if you want, you can go to the hospital. We can call your primary doctors. But I know obviously they have my insurance and everything. And I filed, so they called my doctor. Then my dad picked me up. We went to the place. My dad went back to work. Then the guy like did his, I did my physicals and everything. He's like, well, so the nurse was saying you kind of look hyper. So we just. Went. <laughs> Oh, that's how I started, bro. You were, were you fidgeting in the nurse's office or something? I guess so. Nigga, I, I rolled my ankle, bro. What else do you want me to be doing in that nurse room? Like sitting down quiet. Were you talking too much? You weren't paying attention to the nurse, or I, I, I wasn't paying attention to the nurse. I, I, I remember I wasn't paying attention to it. Back in the days, I wasn't nice. So. But you're a tenth grader, yeah, like yeah, normal tenth grader. You know what I mean? How old were you in tenth grade? Shit, how old was I? Like. 16, 17. 17, okay. Yeah. So then, so the doctor, sorry, so go ahead. The yeah. doctor said what? And the doctor said, oh, want to do some evaluation, see what I mean. And he, I don't know, he did something, like, and the guy's like, oh, yeah. Um, after the uh, physical exam, you have some, just want to prescribe you, Adderall. My dad didn't believe it at first, but, like, you know how parents are when you, you don't do shit at home, the that's <laughs> <laughs> you were misbehaving at home, <laughs> and then your dad was like, "Let's just go. Let's see. Maybe they might be on to something here." And he gave it to you. Yeah. What did it feel like the very the very first time you took Adderall? Was it, it was Adderall they prescribed you, right? Yes, that shit is not good, bro. You really, bro? That shit makes you so fucking hyper. It made you hyper. Yeah, it made me hyper. You so probably couldn't sit still in class, or yeah, it made me so concentrated too, bro. Interesting. And I didn't want to concentrate, bro. 
Like I didn't want to, like you're not even concentrating on the right thing because it's your brain that lets you know what you want to concentrate on. Yeah. So if I'm taking a drug and my brain is trying to concentrate on the fucking wall, I can't <laughs> do shit about it. <laughs> that is interesting. And yeah, coming from Africa, you know where we don't really get exposed to all these kind of um, psychotropic medication. Our body just it's just like a boom. It's like a hit. You know. Like a freight train. Yeah, I know. For me. Um, when I first got to the United States, or I was born in the USA, but I grew up in Africa. So when I first came back as an adult, this is like back in 2003, I made friends with a guy named Rami Muhammad. And Rami was, uh, he had chronic ADHD. You know, he was the kind of like person that would really have these, uh, um, you know, these these episodes and I didn't really understand what uh, I didn't really understand what the disease was about but I thought it was just like a foreign thing like I thought it was like an American thing or obviously like a white man disease and so I was thinking to myself like you know what is this like Americans always have a label for something and so I heard about it and his mom used to always make him take his medicine at certain times and I would notice that his behavior would change whenever he took the medicine and he'd become like really calm and stuff like that. So I've always had it at the back of my head that, okay, this thing is there. When I got to university, mm-hmm. I started struggling in university and probably like my second year, I thought to myself, like, maybe I should go find out about this ADHD stuff and maybe it'll help me do well in school. So I went to the doctor and uh, they gave me a test and they said I had it. And so they gave me the medicine and I went from like getting like less than a 2.0 GPA to like 3.5 GPA. (laughs) I was doing really, really well. But unfortunately, along with the doing really, really well, I started started smoking a lot more cigarettes while I was on it. And then I was drinking a lot more. And actually, I was already drinking a lot, but it used to keep me. with Adderall? That shit was... That's just dangerous, bro. It was dangerous? You don't drink, take out and drink, bro. <laughs> I, I didn't know that at the time. It used to help me drink more because I would drink more and not be hammered. And I, I got in so much trouble during that phase of my life. I got in so much trouble during that phase of my life. Like, I'm 35 years old, and this was in 2007, and I still remember, like, that phase of my life every day. Um, I try to forget it, but I was on Adderall and then they switched me to Vivans apparently and I was drinking on that too because it would help me drink more. Talk less of other recreational drugs I was doing. Mm -hmm. So one day I was feeling these weird pulsing sensations go through my body and I was like, something is not right. I went to the hospital and they diagnosed me with rhabdomyolysis, which is the, the a stage before kidney failure. So yeah. this is it's before kidney failure. So no, I was just at risk of kidney, kidney failure, failure. But the protein levels in my blood were too high. And one of the side effects of these medicines is um, excess protein in the blood. But don't get me wrong. I was doing that, a lot of drinking, a lot mm-hmm. of partying. But I was also working out a lot too, which can also cause protein in the body to break down. But the only differential for me would have been the partying and the, and the drinking too much and the, and the Adderall and the Vivans and stuff like that too. So, but yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's pretty much that. Um, so the question about working productively, so let's, let's separate that from like the stress, but mm-hmm. overall, do you feel like you're able to work productively? 
Yeah. So, separate that from any previous conversation we've had about anything, like just overall, right now, yeah, independently. Yeah. Do you uh, feel yeah, like you're productively? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What kind of work do you do? Uh, right now, I'm a network infrastructure engineer for IBM. So I just IBM, big boy, uh, big boy, <laughs> IBM. Wow, uh, network infrastructure engineer for IBM. That's crazy, dude. Proud of you, proud of you. Thank you. But um, I, I personally, I don't feel like I can work productively. Why? I don't know why, man. Um, I think I feel like today is like the first day I'm actually because this is I consider this my work, mm -hmm. and this is the first day I feel like I've been productive for the last week. I'm struggling with like getting, getting on into track. A, well, it's not even just getting on track, getting into an environment to mm -hmm. work. This room, I try to I try to make this room conducive, but it's just sometimes being in a particular place to work feels like jail and i don't want to constrict myself into a particular area to work you know yeah, but i know just, I'm let me tell you what i do mm -hmm. um, just take a walk so if you're gonna if say you plan you're trying to do something productive today and then they do just take a walk see what is happening outside ideas and stuff like this you know just try to be more attentive to your society and what is happening like what is happening currently around you, not like you're just driving and just watching. Like yeah. I want you to like actually like realize what the fuck is happening around. Then come back <laughs> home and trust me, you find something to write about. Yeah. But the issue is about that is that like the idea of coming back into this room. Mm -hmm. So I'll go for a walk and coming back into I feel like no human being should exist in a little one, two, three, four, bro, four you, you, can make, you can make anything work with this, bro. It's just a mentality, bro. Trust yeah. Me. Do you think maybe that's why, like, at tech companies now they have like open, mm -hmm. open um, plan working? Uh, they did have to restrict a lot of like, you know, hierarchy shit. Okay. If you mean, just imagine this is like sales is here, this is here, this is yeah. here, VP is here. If you want to go to VP, you have to talk to administration assistant. If it's open for all, you can just tell us, yo, can I get that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll try the walk thing. And then I, I, I have to admit, I don't feel comfortable walking right now because yeah. of this whole Black Lives Matter stuff, yeah. you know? I've, I've, I've actually been looking into like getting a gun just in case. I don't want to end up like Ahmaud Arbery or... Um, it's scared, like, yeah, you, it's scared that we have to actually you know, be in that type of reality. I'm not even joking. Like, a lot of times when I'm true. going for a walk outside, yeah. I try to think to myself, like, okay, I just plan it out. Like, mm -hmm. you know, do I do I look like one of, like an African-American? Bro, you're African-American. No, no, no. My issue is, do I look like an African-American that somebody will mess with? Or do I look like an African-American that somebody won't mess with? And I the try to convince that myself actually that... actually having that conversation in your head. Mm -hmm. That shows America, there's something wrong with America. Yeah, I'm just honest. But honestly, I, 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 I have to think like that. Yeah, I have to wonder. That's the thing. And I try to make sure I look intimidating enough when I'm going for a walk or something. I'm thinking that, okay, they, they won't mess with me. Yeah. And then I try to tell myself that maybe those other guys that got in trouble or like, not in trouble, but like that got attacked yeah. looked like... Intimidating. Looked, looked less intimidating. Like Because yeah, I mean... I don't know, bro. It's just, we shouldn't even have this have conversation. Talk, yeah. That's a funny thing, but like... We'll see where it goes. Mm -hmm. I, I really don't like. I really don't like what Black America is going through right now. Yeah. Well, let's say people of color, because it's just not black people. This Hispanic also going through their ice issue, and yeah, it's fucked up, bro. Yeah. The land of the free is not free. I know, but I mean, 
So you grew up in Africa too, right? Mm-hmm. And I grew up in Africa and were privileged to a certain extent. And growing up in Nigeria, especially in Lagos, mm-hmm. when we were walking, sometimes we had to like make sure that, how do I explain it? They had these guys, they called them up, obtainers. Obtainers are people that see what you have on or mm-hmm. some kind of thing that you might have. And they'd be like, hey, come over here and then try to take it from you. Uh, and so I've, there's always been this division for me of, or at least at a young age of trying to make sure that I don't look like, um, I don't look like a weakling to somebody walking by that thinks mm-hmm. that they could take advantage of me. And so it's always kind of been there anyway. And then even also as an African-American too, um, there's sort of been the whole notion of trying to portray yourself as a little as a tough guy so that nobody would pick on you. Mm-hmm. And so in in a, in the same vein, I guess, you know, I, I, it can all, I can, that can also apply to like this whole racial issue. But now it's more of a racial thing now. It's more of like, OK, does this particular would would these particular uh Caucasians with negative intentions see me as an easy target, and so I, I try. I like to hope that I, I don't look like an easy target. You know, mm-hmm. some people have said I look intimidating. I don't know, but I feel like a lot of I just I just wonder about that. Like you know, yeah, it's just it, it is sad that we have to have these conversations. You know, yeah. um, is there any departing words of advice or you know just anything you feel like you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I have this great quote. Um, if you fail, doesn't mean you're a failure. What you know after you fail, you didn't know for the first time. So keep pushing, keep pushing on. The door's gonna open somehow, some way. Well, thank you guys so much. So once again, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And do me a favor and check out our website. It's at davidholmanpodcast.com. And that's David, how it sounds, Holman, H-O-L-M-A-N podcast.com and you know if you feel like you're benefiting from this you know we are a non-profit 501c3 organization so you can definitely donate on our website guys and then also one last thing this podcast is available on all podcasting platforms uh, apple podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts from okay guys remember elevate your mental health and focus on it more it's a complete it's part of a complete package of health so um one more time the world health organization defines mental health as a state of well-being in which an individual is able to realize his or her own abilities can cope with the normal stresses of life can work productively and is able to make a contribution to his or her community have a good day guys bye you too i appreciate it